without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Second Thessalonians 2 7 says, For the mystery of iniquity does already work. We have two different verses that talk about the mystery. One of them is the mystery of godliness, and the other is the mystery of iniquity. Now, when we speak of the word mystery, we're usually using it in the context of something that is concealed, unknown, hidden, uh, a secret. And these passages here, and in many of the passages, they use the word here, mystery, and the root word for it. This is talking the mystery being revealed, that it is no longer concealed or hidden or unknown, but that it is being revealed, that it's being made manifest. You see, back in Timothy, 1 Timothy, where it says that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. You see, that is God Himself that is the mystery of Godliness. That the focus of Revelation is Jesus Christ. As we see, it says, God was manifest in the foot. This is the mystery that is being now revealed. That God, who is a spirit, is now being made manifest in the flesh. So here, modern versions, which is based on a completely different set of Greek manuscripts that are considered like authority and number, it doesn't have the word God in there. It says either he or you or much. And in the Greek, um, the technical analogies, there's like a dash in this circle that then makes the word phios, which means God. And that is in the majority of Greek manuscripts. Sometime, someone either intentionally removed that dash, or maybe it faded over time. Um, that's a possibility in some, but on the correct Greek term, and this is also um, um, testified or witnessed to by ancient translations into other um, languages, um, that the word should be God. Witnesses of the Adventists, for example, when this when it says just me or you, you what? Um, they say it's Michael the Archangel being manifested. Well, an angel is not God. And so it definitely changes the meaning, the doctrine um, of it would change um, that. And so God was manifest in. And that revelation is Jesus Christ. Now back in 2 Thessalonians, where it says, For the mystery of iniquity, chapter 2, verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now loveth will let until he be taken out of the way. When it talks about that, only he who now loveth will let. 
It's all about the idea of the hinder, that there's something that is hindering the mystery of iniquity from being completely and fully revealed. Um, and the only one that we know that does that is the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God. And now the Holy Spirit restraining force will one day be removed, and then iniquity will abound even more and more. And then you add in there um, the church being raptured, uh, um, then you don't have the influence of the church on the earth. Now God does raise up some evangelists uh, from the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, that God will raise up witnesses to um, preach the gospel. But as far as the church would be gone, at least those who are um, saved. And so when the Holy Spirit himself isn't completely removed, this Holy Spirit is omnipresent, but his restraining influence would be gone. And then it says, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Every hand whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. So there's that mystery of iniquity that is already working, but the wicked one is not going to be revealed until that restraining work is removed, and then he will be revealed. And the devil is the mystery of iniquity here. And then the focus of exposure here is the Antichrist, the false Christ, which is the devil's revelation of the mystery of iniquity. Ephesians 2.2 says, Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So there's hard work. The devil is already at work. And as we see, um, it gets worse and worse. And the Bible talks about how the latter times will um, be likened unto the days of Noah, that it would resemble the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, which was filled, um, of course, with um, homosexuality. And we're definitely seeing that magnified um, greatly today. Um, so much so that now the transgender um, stuff is being really put down in our faces everywhere. Um, you know, just Friday, um, the White House ended up showing the pride flag front and center and above the United States flag. Something that is unheard of in, in the White House as far as especially putting it above. By Isaiah 3.9, says this, the show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And so this is no surprise that today that the homosexual agenda, the lesbian, the transgender um, stuff, that is being more abundant that they declare it is solemn that there was no shame that there was no 
preachers, whenever they would have been preached on homosexuality, they'll, they'll preface it with, well, now, you know what, I just want everyone to know we love all But if they're preaching it, it's an apology. They know that some of you maybe have loved ones that are in this, um, and that could be the case. And uh, but they uh, are always apologizing um, for it. And then they'll say, well, you know what, this isn't like any other sin. We don't any other thing, you know, if they're preaching against drunkenness or adultery, they're not prefacing it with all these apologies before they actually on the subject. But we can position is a society that we don't speak out against the sin because then the world will say we're being hateful. Or not to be hateful. No, I don't think it's um, showing the love of Christ, going out and holding up signs saying God hates them and stuff like that. Um, not at all. That's, that's not what Jesus came about doing. You know what? We have people that have been saved out of that lifestyle and are living for the Lord. And we praise God for that. There are some churches that would hold to that if someone is a homosexual, there's no chance they can be saved. We see in 1 Corinthians, the Bible, where it talks about the different sins, and then it includes homosexuality, and it says, Such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified. That God cleanses us. But we see him as a nation. It's popular for companies to broadcast, especially during Pride Month, um, about showing the flag on Centralia College on their Facebook page. For at least the last four months, maybe longer than that, they're showing the Pride flag. It's part of their logo. It's really being push. They declare their sin is Sodom, they hide it not. Ezekiel 16, 49 goes into more detail about some of the sins of Sodom. And oftentimes we think of just the homosexuality, but it started with much more than that. Um, it says in Ezekiel 16, 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. First one mentioned is pride. No wonder it's called pride. Called pride. And this was the sin of some. It's pride. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but you add pride one together, and in the middle you have the word demon. You have in the scriptures that it's the demons that refer to themselves with plural pronouns. And so it's not a surprise that people are doing that today, calling themselves a they and them when they're a single individual. It's not pride. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. So they're entitled. There's this entitlement. They have this abundance of bread, and yet they're idle. They're just giving to them. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. No care or concern for those in need. 
and they were haughty. Kathleen picked up on the wordy 
word. What is God? All things were made by him and for him. John 1 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And what's significant about this is John the Baptist was actually six months older than Jesus in the flesh. But yet he's recognizes that Jesus was before him. That's why he's being preferred before him. Jesus did not have his beginning in that nature. That was simply the beginning of being manifest in the flesh. See, later, Jesus said, 
Abdullah, have I been so long time with you, and yet I shall not know me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou that show us the Father? And he goes on and says, The Father is in me, and I am the Father. Jesus is claiming to be that he is the Father, that he is God. Washington likewise talks about him being the creator, and again, some Bible versions change it to be where, where when the Bible says that he is the creator of all things, they change it to he is the creator of all other things. So they picture the joke of witness in particular, saying that okay, God created Jesus, and then Jesus created them. Take away. After Jesus appears to some of his disciples, Thomas was in there, and he has doubts. You don't really call Thomas, you know, all of the disciples had doubts. Thomas in particular here. And you can see Thomas says, unless I, I touch the wounds of his side and see the piercings and the nails and I will not believe. Jesus says to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand, and reach hither thy hand, and press it into my side, and be not faithless, but Peace be still. And they said, 
Thessalonians 1 3 says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, that's him being manifested in the flesh again, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection. So here again, we see the Spirit of God declaring the deity of Jesus Christ and being the Son of God. You see that scene of angels. And it was what's the significance of that scene of angels? We do see that we see that the fallen angels, the fallen angels, despise them, um, they beg Jesus in for mercy um, at times. Um, we see in Washington's two Principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And Jesus showed that the demonic forces, he has victory, power over them. We see the holy angels. Some They can't be saved. They can't know God. But yet, they 
God manifested himself in the flesh, and he preached to those people. And commissioned us, likewise, to preach to those people who And the Bible says they believe, we believe on in the world. People all over the world come into faith in Christ. Not restricted to a tribal belief. Nor in one country, nor on one continent. You'll have, you know, in different countries where they may have a main state religion, or they can call it or the Islam, or Hinduism, or Buddhism, and that they're usually, for most part, pretty regionally based. Now, I understand that many different parts of the world might need religion. See with Christianity in particular, that there really is the heart, the message, not the call for Christians to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. That in the Middle East, not only Muslims, but there's Christians there. There's churches meeting. Sometimes they're meeting in homes, and I'm in mean, a church building because it just keeps getting burned down. And get arrested, but there's Christianity spreading all over the world. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. In St. Jesus is receiving up in you.
here, no fog, nothing. Many have believed and are saved today. 